My friends, welcome to On Point with Rachel Turgeman. I'm so glad you can join us tonight. My friends, philanthropy and the true desire and willingness to make our world a better place for all of us, it is so, so important. It takes somebody with unique characteristics, somebody with a special upbringing, somebody with a special soul, somebody with a special altruistic mindset, selfless actions to make humanity better for all through this person's actions. My friends, these attributes personify Anna Vega Milton. Anna Vega Milton is an amazing individual and tonight you're going to get to know this eminent woman. She enjoys an amazing degree in law. She's a lawyer, she's also an engineer. She's the president of the Jose Milton Foundation, concentrating on supporting organizations and groups to improve the quality of life by eliminating that opportunity gap but also focusing on education and, and healthcare and research. She's unbelievable. Anna also promotes corporate social responsibility. And she takes this very, very seriously in a foundation and also in the family business, which is United Property Management. United Property Management is one of the largest real estate companies, property managers in Miami-Dade County with a portfolio of more than 9,000 residential units and commercial real estate. Anna is married to Cecil for over 25 years and they're very, very proud parents of three adult community-minded community adults. She's amazing. She also belongs to several philanthropic boards, which she calls for benefit organizations. <laughs> Anna is beyond amazing. She's also has gotten numerous accolades and awards because of her eminent work throughout our multicultural communities. Anna, welcome. Welcome to On Point Rachel Turgeman. And I have to thank you immensely for the huge support that you give On Point Rachel Turgeman. Your devotion, your work to the citizens of our world is very appreciated, Anna, and admired. Tonight, everybody's gonna go get to know the amazing woman that you are. I love you, Anna. Oh my God, Rachel, you are, what an introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. I love you. I think your show is amazing. Um, you know, I, I am a Miami girl through and through. This is home for me. This is home for our family. We are firmly grounded in South Florida. So it, it is, it's, it's a pleasure to be here with you and to talk about one of my favorite things, which is philanthropy and making South Florida the best place for everyone. Well, you're fantastic. You're a fellow professional when it comes to philanthropy. My God, you have three degrees. You're like a philanthropist. You're a lawyer. You're an engineer. It's amazing. So I want everybody to really get to know you. So let's, you know, let's start with your upbringing. Where were you born? So I was born in Cuba. So I'm an immigrant. So my parents, you, you know, with the Castro crisis, my parents knew they had to get out. And luckily, my dad um, was always very math-minded and very scientific. And he had an engineering degree. And so he, we left Cuba when I was one, went through Spain. He was very fortunate to be able to get work right away in Spain. He helped build the first radar systems in the Canary Islands. And being in the Canary Islands for a Cuban was like being in heaven. You had palm trees, you had water, you were on an island. It was fabulous. My mom really enjoyed her time there. But then, this is a very strange story that I just 
recently really found out about the details, my dad ran into a CIA agent who was working there to kind of keep an eye on what was going on since the Canary Islands is kind of a midway point, you know, between Europe and, and the United States. Right. So this uh, CIA agent told my dad, you know, a Cuban with an engineering degree, we know that the University of Havana is one of the top universities in the world. You have to bring your expertise to, to the United States. And my dad was, well, I've been waiting, you know, to get a visa, to be able to make up my home, you know, to the United States. And the guy just made a couple of calls and my dad was on the next flight over with me as a baby and my mom to New York and wow. New York where we settled. And good thing he had this engineering degree, which he was able to transfer, right? To different countries across geographies globally. And, and then, you know, he started his master's program over at the New York Institute of Technology and he wanted to, you know, he wanted to become American. He wanted to, you know, fully be, understand English. And he said, well, I'll study because that's, I'm really good at studying and I'll do that. He got work with AT&T and the Bell Labs and, you know, everything, everything was fantastic. So we never had to suffer that, you know, immigrant experience of, of working as a bus boy or, and that was because of his STEM degree. So very early on, I knew the power of mathematics. And I knew the power of science, technology, engineering, and math. That's right. And I tell everybody. Well, we have to thank your dad, you know, for oh, studying yes. and all that stuff and for coming to the United States. Otherwise, you would not be here in Florida. Absolutely. <laughs> well, my mom was the driving force because my dad was the nerd engineer with a pocket protector, which he still has, and the pens and the slide rule. And he, he bought like one of the first calculators. I remember it was like in the 70s. He spent like, $78 on this calculator that all it did was, you know, subtract, add, multiply, and divide. And it, it was a big deal memory, back then, right? But it was huge. And he asked my mom permission because it was a big expense, you know, oh. back then $70 was a lot. And, um, you know, she said, you earned it. And I learned to use a calculator when I was very small. And I was just loved math. Math is a universal language. And my dad, you know, he taught me that if you want to make it anywhere in this world, if you have to have another, you know, uh, immigrant, you have to leave where you are with a STEM degree, an engineering degree, you can go anywhere and be productive and offer, you know, That's offer true. something back. So that that was my upbringing. And um, like a gorgeous very story. Supportive. Yeah, my dad treated me, treated me like if I had no gender. I learned to do mechanics on a car, change oil, change a tire. Wow. I did taxes. Yeah, I did taxes with him. He was. He said he was very happy not to have boys. It was me and my sister, because he never knew how to throw a ball. So he <laughs> felt that as a as a dad to a boy, he would be, you know, he wouldn't be a great dad to a boy, but he was a great dad to girls. So that was my upbringing. That's so I never saw story. as my gender as being a, a barrier. On the contrary, I loved, you know, when I studied engineering, it was, a, it was, I didn't even think about it. It was like, I'm great at math. I looked up the careers. I was very practical, looked up the careers that made most money upon graduating from college, studied electrical engineering. I had a full scholarship at the University of Miami, which is my dream school. Um, I, I got a, a scholarship also to Duke University, but my mom started crying in the corner. So I decided that I could I not understand leave. that, you know, yeah, as parents, yeah. we don't want our kids to go too far from us. Absolutely. And especially back then, especially Cubans, you know, very much stay home. The girl doesn't leave until she's married. 
Um, and then so and then I worked for a little while, but I realized that the economy of South Florida really wasn't great for engineers. Right? There wasn't a lot of work, uh, a lot of management work, but it was something I wasn't interested in back then. So I decided I need to go back to school and I wanted to get a higher degree. And I thought, well, either an MBA or law school and law school was perfect because in, in engineering and in the sciences, you use logic with numbers. But in law, you use logic with words. Wow. And I, I was really a, a piece that I was missing from my education was the reading, the letters, you know, what they would call the letters. I had all the numbers down, but, you know, I needed that part and the, the human psychology, the speaking with people, the persuasion. But that's really interesting that, you know, you already had your, your engineering degree and then you wanted to do something more. I mean, what, a, what an amazing mentor you are for the world, for all our Well, children. I think... Back then was important, but now more so. Now getting a master's degree, as you well know, is, is almost vital. It is vital. You know, you know that yeah. my daughter is also studying in Israel. You met her. Exactly. And she it's also very important. to you. Rosetta it's very important. You, oh, man. thank you. It's very important. Um, I have my daughter just started law school at UM. She, she, she too has a, has a STEM degree. She has an engineering degree from Georgia Tech. She did go away. Um, now she's at law school at UM, just started. Um, I have a son who has a computer engineering degree from UM. He's working and he's uh, he'll start like an executive MBA program. And then my other son has a business degree from UM and then also a uh, master's in urbanism and wow. real estate, real estate development and urbanism. Make also sure they all stay here with you. Except for my daughter. Because she's back now. Where's your daughter going? Oh, she went to Georgia Tech and now at UM for law. So she's back now. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, during this time, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to be away from the family, I think. Very, very hard. I'm so glad that my daughter's already graduating also with her master's degree right now in August. So I can totally understand. So Anna, it's, it's very quite evident to all of our viewers that are getting to know who is Anna Vega Milton and the Jose Milton Foundation tonight and United Property Management tonight. They're all getting to know you. You are brilliant and you know it, but you're also very well studied. What was your driving force, if you will? Tell our viewers that. You know, ever since I was little, I always wanted to succeed. And school was my, I guess, my avenue to succeed. I was never great at sports, even though I tried really hard and I got much better than I originally was. Remember, my dad is not an athlete, so we were right. never brought up that way. Um, but I was, you know, I, I just had this internal drive that I wanted to be the best, the best that I could be. And, um, you know, when you're in school and you start getting all those A's and the hundreds, it's almost like addicting and, and you want to keep it up and you want to learn. And there's so much to learn. Um, so my only regret is that sometimes I focus so much on grades that I miss the bigger picture. And I wish I would have spent more time studying what I loved, which I do now. Like back then, I didn't like history or geography. And now I love history and geography and I'm. I try to read as much as I can about it, but um, it, for, for me, it was almost a natural thing. And, um, and you know, I, I try to inspire kids because you need to get that bug, that curiosity going early on. You can't wait till you're a junior in high school and decide to be a good student. It, you really have to ingrain yourself and train yourself and have a supportive family. And if not a supportive family, then you have to say, you know what? I need to do this on my own. I need to do it which I know a lot of people who have. So for me, getting to the little kindergartners and having them love math, girls, 
Girls love math until they hit puberty. And they, they, they don't love math because they love boys better and boys, <laughs> boys criticize them for being too, you know, too smart. Right. So I want that culture to change. So, you know, one of the things that I'm most proudest of is we, we, I started an advancing minorities in STEM scholarship and we give it to a student each year. It's worth $20,000 over four years. But what's great about it is not only the money, because the money is important, but we as a foundation, I take the junior board of my foundation. I take all the grandchildren of my father-in-law, the, the founder of the foundation, and all eight of us kind of mentor each other. And we mentor our scholars, our, our STEM scholars. That's we have a meeting every year. This year was virtually. We talk about our experiences in college. We're all at different levels, right? So we, right now we have two graduates of our, two of our STEM scholars that have graduated and I'm super proud of them. One is going on to a master's program and the other one is waiting to start his work at the Florida Department of Transportation. Beautiful. So it's very exciting for us to see these young minds, you know, develop and grow. It's and so rewarding to STEM. You, you, you mentioned that you, you know, you're giving out these STEM scholarships and, you know, I'm sure that our viewers will say, wow, you know, you, you and your family are so selfless. You know, you do so much for our community. You know, imagine the parent that you have given the STEM scholarship. I know that you've also worked very closely with the 5,000 role models and also the Latin Builders Association Academy, where you give these STEM uh, scholarships. Imagine the parents, Anna, me as a parent, I can, there's not enough words of accolades. You know, I can give you and the Hosemilton Foundation and Cecil and your children because taking into consideration how expensive education mm -hmm. is today, especially going to the university, and you are basically footing the bill for these kids that you don't even know, but you recognize that they're brilliant and you recognize that they don't have the money and there you are helping them. That's yeah, right. We recognize potential, right? Potential is very important. And and my whole thing is to bridge that, that opportunity gap. So no one should not be able to get a degree because they don't have the funds. But with that said, I also don't say, you know, if you can't afford UM, you don't have to go to UM. There's a million other places you can go. True. Miami State College is a jewel in our community. And there's no reason why you can't jumpstart your education there. As long as you have a piece of paper, as long as you get that degree is what Yes, and that experience that comes with, with that degree. So I'm, I mean, I'm all about STEM. I'm all about, I think STEM is the way that you can elevate yourself out of poverty, you and your family, because the careers you get with a STEM degree are very high paying. Absolutely. So, and, and and you get my I mean my kids had internships around the country, New York, New Jersey, uh, the West Coast. I mean, incredible. That's but what you see, Anna, your, your kids, your kids are gifted, just like you and your husband Cecil. You know, it's in the genes, right? But then you're willing to share, you're willing to share the glory with other kids that you don't even know. And to me, that's remarkable. And I'm sure that all of you is watching you tonight, they're probably, you know, applauding you virtually. Well, thank you. You know, it's it's like I said, all this, when you give, you actually get so much more in return. The relationship that we have with our STEM scholars is priceless. I mean, they're amazing kids and we learn as much from them as they probably learn from us or even more, you know, to live through someone else's experience is really a beautiful thing. Absolutely. You know? And I to see the hardships. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Now I want to turn over to the Jose Milton Foundation, of which you are the president of this mm -hmm. foundation. Can you tell us a little bit? I mean, you, obviously you can't go over the thousands of projects and initiatives that you have embarked on, but go over a few of them, of some of the altruistic initiatives that you have embarked on because of the Jose Milton Foundation that you oversee. My pleasure. I, you know, I love talking about that foundation and I love talking about the needs of South Florida and how we can satisfy those needs. So what the first gift, so my father-in-law founded this foundation pretty much at the end of his life. Um, and, you know, he was always so busy working. He's like that typical, you know, hardworking immigrant. His family was a double immigrant, Lebanese, then Cuba, then the United States. And he was just so driven that all he can think about was creating this, this business that will support his family. So at the end of his life, he started realizing the power of philanthropy. I was already involved in Zoo Miami. I was involved in the boards. I was very involved in my kids' schools. And he saw that, he saw my law degree. He was always, he always wanted a law degree himself. So he, he was, was probably so proud of you. He was, and he had three sons. So he really did consider me to be like his daughter. So when he founded this foundation, he directed the first gift to the Jackson Health Foundation. And he had been, he was at Jackson uh, for some you know, medical problems that he ha was having later in his life. And he realized that he was getting the same attention that the guy down the, you know, down the corridor who was maybe an indigent, maybe a homeless guy, but his doctor wanted to see him just right after. And they got the same service. And he was so amazed by this that he said he needed to help. At, that this would never happen in any country but the United States. That some guy with his wealth and power would get the same exact medical attention as some poor guy, you know, from the street. And he fell so, in love with Jackson Health System. He did. He did. So he, we, our first gift was right. And also it, it, it helped that Carlos Magoya, the, the CEO of Jackson was a good friend of his and kind of directed him to Jackson. But he had incredible confidence in Jackson and in the healthcare system in South Florida. So our first gift was directed to Jackson Health Foundation. And then after his passing, um, we had the opportunity to name to help supplement the capital expense of the new hospital in the Doral area, in Jackson West. I thought, what a great opportunity, first of all, to build a brand new hospital in our That's community. That's remarkable. remarkable. It is, it is. It's, when it's, I it's, first heard it, I said, wow, my God. And I was so happy that I knew you. Because <laughs> I knew that the hospital was coming up. And I said, wait a minute, that's Anna Vega Milton. I mean, so it was- It, it was mind blowing, mind blowing. And, and for it to be in Doral, which is one of the highest growing centers in the United States, in the Doral area, which was known as a healthcare desert, because they had their, their closest hospital was like 15, 20 minutes away by ambulance. Mm. So it was crazy. So Jackson, and then Jackson West, that land they got right off the Palmetto Expressway. I'm here thinking, I'm thinking selfishly, wow, my kids are on that Palmetto going to work every day. My husband travels that Palmetto. If there's an accident, I want Jackson right there. You know, I want, I don't want them to take a, a med back, um, you know, one of those helicopters all the way. No, I want a hospital right there. And when this opportunity came up, you know, we, we, we made a big commitment um, and they named it after my father-in-law, the Jose Milton Memorial Hospital, which is amazing. And you'll see it. It's like this huge monolith off the palmetto. And, and, and it's going to have everything, emergency, pediatrics, everything. It's even, it even has a UN presence. 
Because as you know, I'm very involved um, with the University of Miami, and I was very happy to see that UM doctors will be there as well. Because we need to take that UM expertise also to that area. Absolutely. You know, of town. So and everybody goes. Everybody goes to yeah. Jackson Health System. Yeah. Yes. So we're, I'm very, um, so in March, you'll be hearing more, but in March of 2021 will be the, the big unveiling, the big reveal. And I have been to a couple of hard hat tours. So I'm, I'm it's beautiful. Well, it you're going to be back to the show many, many times. So you'll tell yes. us all about it for it's sure. It's going to be a community center. Um, yes. So Eddie Borrego is the CEO of Jackson West. And he, he really has, he's a young guy, 30 something. He really has a great vision to make this like a showcase sure. hospital. We're excited. Yeah, we're very excited. Very so excited. that was my first, that was our first big impact project, you know, of that magnitude. That was, that's huge. Yeah. That's, that's a huge project. It is. I don't know it anybody is. else in Florida that can undertake something like that. So again, I know. you. That, that's that's because of, well, as you know, the the uh, taxpayers in Miami-Dade County voted for the bond issue that helped give Jackson the capital to expand and to renovate a lot of it, its its uh, infrastructure. Well, you had Flavia and talk about the Jackson Health Foundation. Foundation. Yes. I want to continue talking about the foundation just like a few seconds. And I want to give special thanks to all our advertisers. And of course, the first one on this list is Anna Vega Milton. Jose Milton Foundation. Anna, thank you, thank you, thank you. I think our viewers are getting an understanding tonight uh, why you are on this show, because you are a fabulous, remarkable philanthropist that loves in her heart the, the multicultural communities of our world. So Anna, we love you. Next, we have Daniela Levine-Cava, who's running for Miami-Dade County Mayor. We also have Catherine Fernandez-Rundle, who's up for re-election for Miami-Dade County State Attorney. We have, of course, Mike Miraval, who's an attorney, local, national, international attorney, running for Miami-Dade County judge. And of course, we have Jackson Health Foundation, the best system in our world. And we, again, we're very grateful to Jackson Health Foundation. You'll hear more about it now when Anna comes back to the show. And we're gonna hear all the wonderful things that they're implementing. Nicole Alvarez, who was an attorney, family law, immigration, criminal defense law, Zaposnik Insurance, all the employers that need to find good healthcare for their, for their employees and as well as keeping them healthy. Supposing insurance. Joe Perkins, our Boston graduate. He's an amazing litigator and dispute lawyer. He's doing a fantastic job and he's also running for Miami-Dade County Circuit Judge. And of course we have um, we have Vasquez who's with the Gerardo Broward, you know, the Hispanic Women of Distinction. Thank you so much. November, we're rescheduling the Hispanic Women of Distinction. And we have Marisol Centeno that we just had her on the show this week. She's done a fantastic job. She's running for property appraiser. If you have not seen the show that I just did with her this week, please tune in. Marisol Centeno running for property appraiser. Then we have United Home Care, taking care of our older adults at home. Why? Because it's wonderful to be at home. And of course we have VIP sales, Anthony D'Amato with Toyota of North Miami, great cars, great, great customer service. Survivors Pathway, our president and CEO, uh, Francesco Dubelli, taking care of human trafficking, sexual assault, domestic violence. And of course, we have Catholic Hospice in times of need. When you need that love and nurturing, you have to call Catholic Hospice. God bless you all. Thank you, advertisers, because without each and every one of you, including you, Anna, and I want to tell a little story, including you, uh, this show would not be possible. And I want to just take a little break uh, uh, and talk about you. Uh, when I was furloughed from uh, Florida National University, 
I told you that I was interested in doing this, obviously, because I have a daughter in Israel, you know, who's getting this amazing degree. And right away, you said, you want to do this? I'm going to I'm going to advertise with you. So I want to thank you for believing in me, Anna, because I've always believed in you. The world believes within you. Miami-Dade County owes you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Anna. Love you. You know, it's my pleasure. And this is what you were meant to do. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you very much. Getting back to Jackson Health Foundation, you have been instrumental to this wonderful group of individuals, Flavia, Calomigoya, Charmaine, Yolanda. You have been such an instrumental factor, person, human being to help them raise money to do what they need to do. Talk to us about Jackson Health Foundation and your participation. Well, um, most recent, well, I'm on the board of Jackson. Yes. Um, one of the things that is, it, I'm very passionate about is where I give money, where we donate, where we invest, I like to also be committed to them on a personal level and invest my time and, and invest the resources I have from United Property Management, from our company, from our family. So one of the, um, the things that, that we did during the pandemic, which was very scary, at the very beginning when no one knew what was going on, um, we had 3,000 apartments that we offered to staff members at Jackson Health Foundation from Jackson from Jackson Health. But Sisters. you say you say it so so calmly. Oh, well, three thousand apartments. Yeah, three hundred. I'm sorry, three hundred apartments. Three hundred apartments. What worth yes. three point three million dollars? Yes. So at the beginning, it was only supposed to be for a month. We thought this was all going to be over, but I I we had heard about nurses and doctors living in tents in their backyard, living and sleeping in their cars for fear of contaminating their families at home. So we immediately, you know, offered them the apartments. We, we got them all, you know, everyone put in the, in the apartments. We covered their electricity. We covered their Wi-Fi. They were fully furnished. They, everything. You were we got so, it was amazing. It was amazing. Well, it ended up going to nine weeks. So for nine weeks, we hosted you know, 300 families, or, well, they weren't families, they were individuals who wanted to stay away from the families. But in some cases, mothers and daughters worked together at Jackson. So they would both, you know, so that you might have two family members and living in one saving lives, really, because God forbid, if any one of those would have gotten it or been asymptomatic, they would have given it to the, to the parents or right. grandparents. So that was our goal, is to yeah. kind of put curb community spread by having and and also it, it made them better workers it made them better staff because they knew that you know they they, they had a place to, to relax not to, how can you go to work 12 hours after sleeping in your car no no impossible yeah, there goes the humanness in you that i've been talking about since the beginning of the show and wherever i go you know i'm your biggest fan i'm sure you have a million fans or more a billion fans but i'm one of them for sure okay, but it was so it was very touching for us, you know, and, and, and it was very gratifying. And, and for us too, because we all read about it. We all saw it in all the news. We all read the Miami Herald and we saw, you know, that you were doing this. And we said, that's Anna Megan Milton. Well, and you know what was great? One of the things that I always talk about and like to do is I like to inspire others to give, especially those in the Hispanic community, because I think it's very important that Hispanic philanthropy stand out. And um, we actually inspired some hotels and stuff to also give rooms. To, to staff. So and we I had a couple know, of that That's awesome. Yeah, you know, they, they would give like five or 10 rooms, but everything helps. So so Excellent. it was it was nice to see that. You're inspiring mm -hmm. for our entire multicultural communities. And it doesn't matter our religion. I hope so. anything. I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I, Miami, 
<laughs> we we are in such a great place and we're better situated than most places around the country because we already started as multicultural. Yes. So it, it's really nice and, and you learn so much from different people. And you know, I think we kind of do it right here, but of course there's more improvement. We need to improve and, and do better. But I, I like to hopefully I want to see the, the Jose Milton Foundation be that bridge between all the different cultures you are. and all the different flavors, you know, that there are in Miami. You are that bridge. And talking about bridges, which you are already. Let's talk a little bit about the philanthropic boards, the executive boards that you sit on. And I would like to begin, and like obviously we can't talk about all of them, but let's let's cover a few of them. I would like to begin as you as a trustee for University of Miami. Can you expound on that? So being a trustee for the University of Miami is really one of my biggest privileges and honors. Um, you know, I'm a came through and through. Like I said, I have two degrees from the University of Miami. My husband is a graduate, his two brothers, my my kids now will all you know, became, and it's just an incredible jewel in our community. I mean, to have the University of Miami so prestigious, and then, you know, to have President Frank with his background on, on health, on public health, he's lived through like seven pandemics. Um, and, and to have that expertise here locally has really been amazing. The healthcare system, the research, Sylvester Cancer Center. So I'm, I'm especially proud of that. Um, one of the big projects that I did is, you know, of course, I'm all about engineering, um, is uh, we funded the College of Engineering, the Jose Milton Leadership Hall. And what we did is we took this old, yucky, 1980s-looking uh, auditorium in the College of Engineering, and we reimagined it, re-envisioned it, tore down walls, wow. and made it into this collaborative center that can go 360 degrees, it could have a podium in the middle, a podium on the side. It has TVs everywhere. Well, it just finished in the nick of time because you need spaces like that during the pandemic to allow for social distancing. Yes. So, we, you know, most classrooms are small, but to have this space available is really going to be helpful, you know, now when classes are starting, because as I don't know if most of you know, but UMS is starting in person. So no, President I didn't know that. Yes to start in person and everyone, including commuter students, must take a COVID test before coming on campus. There's a 10 p.m. curfew for students that live on campus. And it's just, you know, it's amazing to see where all other universities are going online. Right. UM, person students are already arriving. My daughter is taking, is doing a hybrid where she has some classes online and, and a couple classes in person. They're being very strict and they're, they're doing this huge campaign so that all the students buy in to wearing the mask. Kind of like, you know, you're protecting yourself and you're protecting your friends and you're exactly. protecting staff and you're protecting the professors. So they want to create this culture of caring among the students. I love and it. To, it's a community to protect each other. I love it. And it's not surprising hearing you speak about that because obviously a lot of those doctors from University of Miami and their students go to work at Jackson Health Systems. Absolutely. So I understand, you know, going to University of Miami, you know, you feel comfortable, you, you, you feel that you're going to be taken care of. You're dealing with the best doctors in our nation, you know, affiliated with Jackson Health Systems. So it's that's great, remarkable. It's a great collaboration and very unique to have, you know, the, the public hospital being associated with such a great institution that is the University of Miami. But that thing, and, I, and I have to say this about you. I mean, thank God you graduated from that university. 
because you have also <laughs> helped them tremendously. And let's be fair in saying that. Well, yes, but <laughs> I'm also a big fan of Miami Dade College, as I said, and of course, FIU. I have a niece went to FIU, my daughter, my sister went to FIU. And, and we've actually done some philanthropy at FIU because I think it's amazing, especially for Latin families who don't want their kids to go away and may not have the money. Like I said, you shouldn't indebt yourself to go to college. If you can't afford it, your parents can't afford to send you, if you don't have that gift or you didn't earn a merit scholarship, which is how I got to UM. So I was the recipient of philanthropy. I received the Isaac Bashevis Singer Scholarship. And that was why, yes, that was why I was able to go to the University of Miami. So I tell everyone, you know, try to earn a scholarship. You, you, UM and a lot of universities are very, very generous. Their, their donors are very generous in providing the money so that you can have that quality. But if you don't, there's no, nothing wrong with going to Miami-Dade College your first couple of years and then finishing it off at FIU. And then if you make money along the way, then maybe exactly. think of a master's degree at but UM you or, or somewhere. in your hands. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter really where it comes from. I mean, Carlos Magoya is a graduate of MDC, Miami Dade College. You know, so you have all Me these. Too. I went to MDC too at the beginning. And then exactly. I went to Miami. Yeah. That, that's, how, that's how my sister did. And, you know, and I went to public school, you know, um, Miami Dade County Public Schools, which is another one of my. Wait a minute. Favorite. I know something that you don't know that I know. You ready no. for this one? You were the valedictorian of your school. That's God right. bless you. Tell us, tell That's us about that experience when you found out that you were the valedictorian of your high school. Well, I worked hard for it. So <laughs> I was. I, uh, <laughs> I did work very hard for it. I, I was valedictorian. Um, I was like just point zero zero one away from my salutatorian, which uh, now she, Dr. Elena Solo Gabriel, is actually the associate dean of the College of Engineering at UM, and she ended up going to MIT for her PhD. Wow. So we were both, you know, there and there and so close. And, and, you know, for me, you know, it was, it was a privilege. And that's why that's like jumpstarted me to get my scholarship at UM. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Miami-Dade County Public Schools. I think our superintendent is fabulous. I think the programs they have are amazing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's well, just a privilege. Now that you mentioned my Dade County Public Schools, I know something else about you. I don't know if any of our viewers know, but they will find that in a few seconds. You have been inducted in the Miami Dade County Public Schools Hall of Fame. That's yes. a really big deal, Anna. When I thought I, I, I thought it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. When they notified you, what did you tell your family? Oh my God. I, I was so ecstatic. But you know who I got inducted with? I felt like Ooh. such a like. I got with um, um I got inducted with Alan Fain, who's the attorney who brought the heat to Miami, Excellent. and Emilio Estefan. Whoa! So I'm like, oh my god! So it was great. I mean, my family knows the Estefans for for years, but to be inducted with them, I mean, it was it was so amazing. And then I went to Southwest Miami High School. Um, um, Alan went to um, Coral Park, which was our rival school, and then Emilio went to Miami High. So it, it was great. And, and since then, I've been able to speak to students, like juniors and seniors in high school, and tell them about my experience. And one of the greatest things that happened was I met this little girl. She's a, 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 she was a, I think she was a senior in high school, and it was like the November, October time frame. And she comes up to me and says, your story resonates so much with me. My parents are immigrants. Um, I want to go to the University of Miami so bad. Um, but I need a scholarship because I, I can't afford it. Um, I, I'm a really good student, 
blah, blah. And, and she had applied to UM and she was, they were looking at her for a scholarship. So I went to UM and I said, you know, can we look at her, give her, oh you know, because she didn't win that scholarship. That's what well, you wait, she didn't win that scholarship, but she made such an impact on me that I kept talking about her and they actually started considering her for another scholarship, a minority scholarship, which she got. Good. So we still email each other and, and we tell each other, you know, she tells me what's going on. She's studying engineering. So I'm like, I'm like, look, look at the, how things happen. I was meant to be there. I was meant to be there so that I could meet this girl, you know, and, and she's going to become a woman in STEM, an engineer. And I'm just so proud of that. But you, you never know what's going to happen. You have been an exemplary model for her and for the rest of the kids, Miami-Dade County and around the world. Moving right along, because I know we want to touch upon a few more things. Let's talk a little bit about your participation in Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and also the Red Cross. What would you like to highlight of these amazing organizations? Well, Big, Big Brothers, Big Sisters is also very special to me. Um, you know, like I said, giving kids, like bridging that opportunity gap, making sure that everyone has opportunities, especially children, because they're our future and they're not bogged down by the luggage, you know, by everything that we, that adults, that we as adults have. So um, Big Brothers Big Sisters is amazing. Um, they're doing a great job in, in, you know, helping kids see that there's a future for them, you know, elsewhere. And, and of course, Red Cross is, is amazing. Um, Red Cross, so we have a rental apartment buildings. And one of the things the Red Cross does is every time one of our residents has a fire, the Red Cross is always there. They're there to help. They're there to, you know, find them a place to stay if their apartment is unlivable. They're there to offer them blankets, sandwiches, whatever it takes to help them. Because a fire is as big a disaster to a family as a hurricane is. I mean, it really is. So the Red Cross is very special for me in that way. And, um, and I'm on the board and, and, you know, and the hurricanes, of course, hurricane preparedness. We actually, through our company, we, we've over 150 of our employees have been certified with uh, first aid, AED and CPR training Very through good. the Red Cross. So I love we, it. We, yeah, we're their customer, we're their client and we, we pay them to come and give us those skills. And this last year, you don't know this. But a few months ago, we actually honored one of our employees, one of our team members, because he saved a life using the skills he learned at one of those first aid trainings. Beautiful. So he, the Red Cross actually honored him um, with, with a medal and a certificate. And, you know, he joins this group of people worldwide who have used Red Cross training to save a life. He saved a wow. little four-year-old boy who was, who was he, he couldn't breathe. Right choking. there is an indelible mark that you have left. Yes. With when, the group. That's amazing. Amazing. So that's our goal through our company is to educate as many people to be able to handle first aid, you know, situations because they go out into the community. They help their families. They help their community. You just never know when something you might never come know. like that. You never, you never know. know. You never know. Earlier, we had some pictures up of Zoo Miami. And we want to put those pictures back up. Yeah. So I love so Zoo Miami was my first foray into really impactful philanthropy. So I became a board member. You know, it's funny because men always have this natural instinct to do things. Oh, I can do it. I can do it. Even if they can't, right? Even if they've never done it, I'll learn it. I'll do it. But women, we're a little bit more conservative. We're like, I'm not ready for that. Let me study. Let me think about it. Let me, let me get my skill set ready and then I'll do it. 
And this guy, I dove head on. They asked me on the board. At first I said, no, I wasn't ready. And then I thought about it and I said, what, what am I not ready about? I'll figure it out. I figured everything else out. So I got on the board of the, of the uh, Zoo Miami Foundation. It was actually called the, the uh, now I, I even forgot, the Florida, the Society, whatever. It had another name. And actually, I eventually became board chair and I changed the name to the Zoo Miami Foundation because I thought it was more appropriate. Thank you. So we have the Animal Fun Factory, which we sponsored at the zoo. And it's a little bit of Cuba, a little bit of the Caribbean. It's a little, you know, it brings that Caribbean Cuban flavor to the zoo. And it, it has a portal, it has rocking chairs, it has uh, a big picture, you know. I love artwork. it. As a matter of fact, I was looking at a mural today. Yes. And I saw a picture of, of uh, Celia Cruz. And also Jose Martí. Yeah. And my father-in-law. I love All playing dominoes together. Oh, my God. So, so I, I mean, what I love about the Animal Fun Factory is that a lot of the docents and volunteers and staff at Zoo Miami, and of course the visitors, are of Caribbean descent whether they come from Cuba or Haiti or, or Jamaica or, or the Caribbean. So it's kind of nice to have a little piece of that culture. And I like the pastel colors that you have, like the yeah. light blue. It's the, the best. So but what's great about the center, what's great about the center, it's, it's brought a lot of attention to Zoo Miami because it's the first guest interactive center of its kind in the United States. So guests, visitors to the zoo can work with zoo employees to make enrichment items for the animals. So it's really, really amazing that, you know, you learn about the different senses and that animals need enrichment too. You know, and tigers, they need to smell prey. They need to smell zebra to get excited and all pumped up. Zebra need to have fruits and berries, you know, and, and grasses to, to eat and well, smell. Well, you be very well studied with our animals too. You're going to be better yeah, than yeah. I mean, I, I love, I love Zoo Miami. I mean, our family went to Africa with Ron McGill a couple of years back. And it, it was really an amazing experience. Talk to it's, us a little bit about the Feast with the Beast. I know you've been okay. talking about that. So Feast with the Beast is the annual biggest fundraiser for Zoo Miami Foundation. And it really is a great party. It's through the zoo. A lot of the restaurants donate their food. And it's just a lot of fun. So we had to cancel it because of COVID this year. It was right. slated to be in March. But now we're having a virtual zoo, a virtual Feast with the Beast. And it's of it's in November. No, it's at the end of this month. It's August like 30th or... 31st, and it's open to everyone for free. Beautiful. So it used to be a, like a $500 or a $250 ticket. Now it's for everyone. And Ron McGill is doing an awesome job. How can people it, log on to it? How, are you gonna be I hope. I hope we're going to have a 1,000. We usually have 1,000 people attend. Beautiful. I'm hoping we'll get a, a, about 1,000 people showing up. We have Shaquille O'Neal is giving us a shout out. We have... Um, it's it's going to be really, really excited. A lot of talented groups. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And we're, know, we're, we're the sponsors. I know when you've had the physical ones, you have about 40 restaurants involved. Yes. And you have live entertainment. So this is a big deal. It is a big deal. A big deal. So now it's, you know, it's, it's scaled down being virtual. Right. And we obviously won't have the food. But we're hoping, like, we're going to put it in our backyard and have, you know, our family get together in front of the screen. It's going to be fun. Kind of it, it will be fun. You know? And I like I like to ask you also because you know you belong to so many philanthropic boards, you know, making a difference, leaving your indelible imprint on an everyday mm -hmm. basis. How do you juggle being on these prestigious boards and your personal life? Well, you know, one of the things I like to do is include my family, especially the the next generation included. So a lot of the things we do that are family time or fun, you know, our fun recreational time involve 
philanthropic organization. Well, we'll spend a Saturday morning, you know, uh, volunteering for the United Way, painting, you know, a Girl Scout shelter. We'll, you know, we'll sp we'll do a, a 5K run all together with with our team members uh, from the office. We'll. Um, you know, awesome. we'll participate in different events. And of course the galas are always a lot of fun. So you actually include, week. you include your children. So you kind of double dip, you know, That's family beautiful. time becomes philanthropy time, be, 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 you know, becomes giving back to the community, community time. And it's, it's all really a bonding and enriching experience. But one of the secrets is, cause you said, you know, you're on different boards, being on different boards is very complimentary because you learn so much from serving on these boards that you can kind of cross pollinate and you can introduce different people to different areas. And, and it's really been helpful. So I've been able to have boards collaborate together to do things that they couldn't have done, you know, alone. So it's kind of nice. Like I took the Red Cross women donors to Zoo Miami and we were all celebrating women because the, the director, the director of Zoo, my, of, Zoo, of the zoo and all the top leadership are women. And then also we had women, you know, female elephants. So we had like four, so we kind of, you know, so we kind of do these things together and it's kind of nice. And we celebrated military women because the Red Cross has a big, you know, uh, celebrating military women and veterans. So that's a big part of Red Cross. So it was so cool to bring those two organizations together, you know, all in the name of celebrating And, I, and I've seen you, you know, as I, as I go to different places before COVID-19, of course, you know, you, you take your kids with you constantly. I like to call them community-minded uh, adults. Yes. One of the things that I want to compliment you and Cecil, your husband, which you guys make a beautiful couple, by the way. Congratulations. May God always bless your marriage. Is the fact that you have created a junior board within the Jose Milton Foundation. So you're teaching your, your young adult kids, if you will, you know, that, that humanity, that, that community-oriented kind of mentalities to give back. How, how did you come up with that? I mean, because that's fascinating. Well, one of the most important things of a family foundation is it, it's, it's a platform to unite the family. So even if people move away, there's always that annual meeting that brings you together and to talk about the goals of the family and the mission. I love so I, I've tried to also educate them on also finances. We have investments that keep the foundation growing. So you have to learn about finances. You have to learn about management. You have to learn time management. You have to learn how, when you commit to something, you have to follow through. So there's a lot of great qualities, a lot of great learning lessons to learn. That's a family That's very important. But now that you mentioned that you have quality time with the kids, with the young adults, as we call them, mm -hmm. uh, your, your kids, uh, you also are not selfish again. You didn't know that I know that through the education fund, you participated as a teacher and you actually okay. went into the classroom and you taught kids finance, budgeting in the real world using math. Talk to yeah. us about that. So I, that, that was my first year. I've done it two years in a row. And my first year I taught math in the real world and I told them to pull out their phones and use the calculator function and how to calculate percentages for tipping and, and how to use credit cards and how your credit score is made. So we went through all of that and it, it was great. I, I learned that these 16, 17 year olds already have credit cards. Mm -hmm. Some of them hold, you know, part-time jobs to be able to, to pay for their credit cards. And we were talking about like, what are the good credit cards to have? Those that give you money back. You should never pay a fee. Well, we went through all of that. So that was really, oh, really What cool. a beautiful lesson. Yes. And what was cool is that I did it again this year, but this year, um, instead of a math teacher, 
I did a, a social sciences kind of uh, teacher, uh, Molly Diallo, and she was a uh, teacher of the year a couple yes, of years ago. Yes, and I was sitting on that board back oh. then. Yes, okay. I was, uh, yes, because Dr. Verena Cabrera from the school system asked me to sit on that board as well. And I voted for Molly too. So what a school Oh my God, great. Molly's amazing. So she wanted me to be her teacher champion. So I went up there and I actually bought Thanksgiving lunch for her students. Oh. So she invited like the leadership because a lot of them were immigrants and they didn't really have a traditional Thanksgiving meal. So we did the turkey and you know, the very traditional Thanksgiving meal. You know how and, great um, everybody was to you? Oh, it was great. It was fantastic. And we're still friends and we still talk, you know, all the time. Um, but what was great also is that my daughter this year participated and she was also a teacher champion and went into a classroom and taught math. And like, you know how like great daughter, it is to like be able to. Yeah. She's only a couple years older than these kids. Right. So how great it is to see. It's almost like looking forward and seeing yourself just a few years later with a career, with a degree. So it was it was really nice. What a great mentor for all our kids. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, we're running out of time. I want to thank you for taking time out of your very busy calendar to join me here on On Point Rachel Turgerman. Thank you for your continuing support. I know that there aren't any words in the dictionary that can depict my gratitude and everybody else's gratitude that you have helped throughout the years and your family, the Semitic Foundation, your husband, your children. You know, we totally love you, Anna. From my heart, Anna, to yours. <laughs> Thank you. I want you to know that we love you immensely. God bless you today, tomorrow, always, and forever. Is there a last minute message that you would like to leave all our viewers with tonight? You know what? I live my life based on gratitude. I really do believe that gratitude and being grateful for what you have, and not think about what you don't have, but be grateful for what you have, your friendship, your health, your family, that, that really is what brings meaning. And for us and for me, and particularly be helping the community, giving back, including my family in this journey is really makes me even feel more and more grateful every day for, for the friends I've made along the way and for everything I, I know about South Florida. You so know. gratitude is, is my word of the day, my word of life, right? My, my leading principle. And you practice what you say and your Absolutely. actions speak loudly and your personality precedes you and your actions precede you. You're just amazing. God bless you. We're gonna have you back many, many more times. Right here. I look forward to it. Argument. And just keep up the fantastic work. We cannot be Miami without you. So don't move, <laughs> right here in South Florida. <laughs> thank, thank you, madam. See you soon. And to all of you, thank you so much for tuning in again onto On Point and Rachel Turgerman. Please do not forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel I'm putting Rachel Turgerman. I'm so happy you got to know the stellar philanthropist with an amazing heart, Anna Vega Milton, with the Jose Milton Foundation and also with United Property Management. Stay well, continue to abide by the CDC guidelines. The numbers are going down. We are going to get rid of this virus together because together we're stronger. God bless you. Bye bye for now. No, you're good. <laughs>